Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the cube, the cube, the cube, the cube, the cube. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 90. Wow, Brendan, holy mutt, of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. Yeah. I'm your host, Dan. Ten to go, and, and then we can call it quits, right? But, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That's a hundred and out. <laughs> yeah, that's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are kidding. And I'm Brendan. And... and we are joined by our very good friend, Nick, who, Brendan, you've known forever, uh, pretty much. Known him since college. <laughs> For me, it's interesting because Nick was my first ever competitive Sigmar opponent. And ever since then, we have been grudge match guys for the first game of any tournament we've ever attended together. So yep. it's been really fun and gotten to know him. And Yeah, so there's a few infamous stories that <laughs> folks are aware of. And now you get to hear the voice behind the other half <laughs> of those incidents. I'm not saying I like to cause trouble. I'm just saying that it happens around me. <laughs> That's, That's a fair statement. <laughs> We've got kind of stuff, just different things we're going to talk about, Brendan. So we've got four kind of mini topics, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the Sigmar roadmap that was put out, where the, there's some new battle tomes that were announced and kind of roughly when we're going to see them. So we'll do a little bit of prognostication and share our thoughts on some of those. We are going to talk about the recently announced Warhammer ITC partnership. And anyone who knows me knows I have some thoughts. <laughs> we're going to talk about the top eight at LVO. We're not going to super deep dive all of it, but just talk about what they were, you know, some of our thoughts around them. And then we finally have the Osiarc Bone Reapers White Dwarf update that we'll discuss. As I've said before, I think this is one of the more meaningful White Dwarf updates and the more meaningful ones we discuss uh, at length rather than just acknowledging that they came out. Okay, perfect. Then. All right. With that, gents, we're going to move on to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Okay. Well, Nick, as the guest, you are going to regale us with any hobby stuff you've been doing or not. Whatever goes on. Okay. Yeah, so the one big hobby thing that I was working on was Brendan asked me to do a board for his army. It's essentially an ice board. I tried to make it so that the water looked like it was frozen and nice kind of blue and fantasy. I gave it to Brendan this weekend. I, I hope you liked it. Yeah, I mean, I liked it even when it didn't have all of the water effects done. <laughs> this is for my that ice basing that I started doing last year mm -hmm. as part of my learn to do you know, more and different mm -hmm. basing techniques. So right now my very briefly started Caradron Overlords, my Slaves to Darkness, and then the cruel boys that I've started are all on that kind of basing scheme. That's cool. So I imagine this is one of my boards that's going to get quite a fair bit of use for events at least that I can drive to. Mm -hmm. Flying, sorry, no luck. That's yeah. not making it on a plane <laughs> even if I wanted to. It would definitely get beat up for sure. Yeah, it's a special case would have to be constructed <laughs> and I'd probably be over the 50 pound limit. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. I liked it. You know, it was certainly part of the display at Dragonfall and... 
we've worked out the arrangement of any time I win any sort of painting award with it, if there's a way for me to section off a part of that award, I, I send it to you. So. Awesome. I'm going to glue all those sections together and make a meta trophy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea, actually. Very cool. Not that you need any more painting trophies. Uh, yeah. No. no, yeah, you are Mr. Paint. There's still a little space on the shelf. <laughs> So, as we've talked about maybe in some spots, Nick is quite the prolific painter who's known for a very loud painting style, and any tournament that you go to, you are certainly in contention for winning Best Painted. So, you painted my Slanesh Army because you were looking to see if you wanted to be a commissioned painter, so having another piece from you, despite us you know, being friends, is always super appreciative because it is always really nice to have. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I just love doing it. I really like the hobby trying to make, you know, the models look real. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's just what that drives me. Ah, uh, yes, the fun. goblins with forks. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, with real. some silliness mixed in. All right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, goblins, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Coolio. Then, Brendan, what have you been up to? So, I have been working on my Adepticon Thousand Point stuff. So, mm -hmm. I finished up my first 10 unit of skeletons, except for the banner. I'm going to do all the banners together so that I have, mm -hmm. if there is any like freehand that I have to do, so that I'm doing it all at the same time and under kind of consistent mm. constraints. Sure. Finished the Necromancer. Oh, nice. That was a cool, you know, like Saturday evening, Sunday mm. day project. Just knock that out. Sure. So I got the first five of the Grave Guard converted and built. I've got the mm. first two painted. So after today, I'm probably going to try and build the next five because the way I'm going to end up doing it is... 10 guys, hero, 10 guys, hero, 10 guys, hero, just so that it breaks up some of that monotony of trying to paint oh, yeah. a bunch of the same stuff to a high level without something a little interesting in between. So when I finish up the 10 Grave Guard, I'm going to paint the White King on horse, and then after the last 10 Grave Guard, I've got a Manfred to paint. So. Wow, mm -hmm. okay. So I'll have two Manfreds, and I'll, I'll figure <laughs> out what to do with that, I suppose. But That's cool. Yeah. Just been doing that. I've been putting together a little bit of the mortal Hedonites of Slash yes. I'm trying to paint in specifically the Nick McKenna loud paint style. <laughs> yeah. So. He's doing a good job, too. I saw the, <laughs> well, the test. One down. Like, yeah. don't, like, not get carried away here. There's a lot more models Where's to the paint. purple? Yeah. And that, <laughs> and that one model took me ages. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how well I can carry through on that. But sure. that's Fair what enough. I've been working on. I assume, Dan, you've got 10 more wolves that you've finished. Yes! Awesome! And I was really on a roll. You know, I got 40 of them done. So I got all the wolves I need for Adepticon for Gibbering Dome. That's great. As a note, a side note here, listeners, I have been unable to do any hobby because, as many of you know, I hobby on the island in our kitchen. We don't really have a other place in our condo, and we just were in the process of selling our home and buying another home. So, so we're going to need to do a new intro because it's not going to be the Riverwalk Studios no, anymore. No, and I'm going to have to go through all that, <laughs> all that stuff. I'm glad Cindy's got the details down. Yes, she <laughs> knows what's going on. And anybody who's been through getting a house ready for showing and stuff, it was a lot of work. So I just haven't had time. But now that that's finished and we've, you know, closed on both buying and selling Yeah, you have place, your, your windows in time that you're going to work to. Now my next project is Belladama because I have all the wolves I need. I have all the zombies I need, the necromancer, and then Grandma Wolf and the... Umbral Spell Portals are the two things I have left for Gibbering Dome. And then maybe some other f stuff for the other gaming systems I'm going to play. But yeah, good stuff. And I'll start on those this week. Great. So those will be going on. Yeah. So that's it for that. New stuff. Uh, Brendan, you talked about the Sigmar roadmap already. We're going to talk about that in Emperor Lies at length. 
On the Sigmar side, the Eidneth Fire Slayers box is in the wild. It's out there. You can get it. Bad Omens has come up for pre-order, and the Bad Omens is the Aldari Chaos Space Marine box. Right, the start of the new Eldar battle tome and and model revamp and all that. Yeah, and they've got some crazy rule that's even better than Destiny Dice, if you can believe it. I I find that hard to believe. Well, it's like you roll like six dice or something. I can't remember the number of dice, nine or six dice, whatever. And you don't use the value on the dice. What it is, it's a table one through six, and it tells you what you can use that dice for, for like charges or hits or wounds or saves. But if it's a one dice check, like a save or something, it's an auto six. Oh, wow. If it's a two dice check, like a charge, one that die is an auto six, and then you roll the second one. So that means the charges are minimum of seven, for example. Wow. But that's amazing. So they're all auto sixes, whatever you get. It's pretty good. Because, like, the thing that was different with the miracle dice was there was an earning component Mm -hmm. to it. Right. Where the thing that frustrates me is the given. Oh, because the miracle dies for sisters. Right. Yeah, so, like, they have that kind of effect, but it's just not fixed, right? There's not just, like, a known commodity to it. This will be interesting to see. I, I mean, it won't affect me in the slightest, but no. yeah, sure, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about it all. So, Tau have arrived. Yay. They're here, ready to go. And There's... I hope they're really good so I can sell my Tau army for above <laughs> uh, above market value. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> and the Crusade stuff, there's more books for that if you're on the narrative side in 40k. The Tau dice look pretty cool. They've got the they Tau... Do. The icon logo. on it look very nice and then Steelers and Custodes are here that's great on the non-miniature side it's less than two weeks till Total War Warhammer 3 mm-hmm. is released on the 17th of February we're recording on the 6th I think a lot of people are going to be jumping on that Brendan I'm sure you will I don't know yeah ne- I don't know that my computer you- can handle it my computer's almost a decade old at this point so like yeah. trying to get your hands on graphics cards right is, is not yeah, easy. anything with a chip yeah. yeah yeah so do you well i'm gonna ask you something later but do you play warhammer total war any kind of pc games like that i don't play too many pc games but i do have a i bought a new pc about a year ago that has okay. uh, you know top quality specs so the game looked fun i'll probably check it out for sure great yeah so that's less than two weeks away which is great because they've been talking about it and showing all kinds of stuff about it for ages now. Mm-hmm. Games played. Nick, how about you? Have you played any non-Sigmar stuff? We always talk with that. Any board games or computer games or video games or anything you've played in the last couple few weeks? Mm-hmm. The two games that I've been playing lately, I have a Switch, so I'm always playing Smash Bros. <laughs> Given that, you know, the game times are normally sub five minutes, it's just easy when I get home from work to, you know, play a game or two. And Decompress. Then, yeah, exactly. Then get on Perfect. with the rest of my day. And then the other fun one, too, is uh, Mario Party, the the new one for <laughs> Switch. Great. We've been doing some online, some games between some friends, and, it, you know, it's always a blast. So far, I haven't lost any friends yet over Mario Party. I know that, <laughs> that happens. quite controversial. Yeah, that can happen, but so far, we're good. Still got all the friends. Awesome. That is great, man. Good stuff. Brendan, how about you, buddy? We played some Smash Bros because Nick was over this weekend, and I introduced Nick to a custom map style that my family played really was the only way we played Smash growing up. Okay. Where you basically just build a box where oh. the top two corners are missing. Oh, God. And so the way that Smash works is, you know, you take damage, and as you take damage, you become more launchable. Okay. But by having the box, it becomes difficult to launch a player off screen to take one of their lives. 
instead you end up with these guys who are just ricocheting around this box cool. until you can get them at the right angle to shoot them off the map through the opening. Oh, that's and, funny. you know, Nick, I, I won't speak for you, but it's my favorite way to play that game. Because, like, I don't play it competitively, but it's just some fun, silly, mindless stuff. Like, yeah. some of the feel-bads of playing on some of the other maps are totally gone yeah. because of it. Like, you just get to play your character and do your thing. And oh, cool. Yeah, I would say it was a blast. We loaded up six computers, so for eight total players in this box, and it's just chaos watching everyone. You start getting... <laughs> that must be in, great. Yeah, and the high percentages, and it's just... You don't even know what's going on. Things are just That's blasting awesome. around. We've had a couple of really good matches where, you know, like the last guy was just like on perfect move, hit the right angle, sure. and gone. <laughs> yeah. So Great. we did that and played a couple of games at NCAA 14. Mm-hmm. Yep. A little throwback. All right. Some nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. And then online, I was playing with Cody some Wasteland 3, picking yep. up our evil playthrough now that I finished up Far Cry. We finished the Battle for Steel Town DLC. Mm-hmm. Super cool DLC. A lot of the choices yeah. were really nuanced. You know, it's one of those things where as we were working through it, at the end of it, we were talking about, you know, like how this would have been different, you know, if we had played this DLC in our first playthrough, it was like, yeah, some of these decisions would have been probably a little more difficult mm. because when you're doing just the evil playthrough, you know, you ask the question of what's the most evil thing that we can do here? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, we decided that Steel Town was basically future Amazon and we were like well the most evil thing we can do is make all of these people work for Amazon <laughs> against their will oh lovely and, <laughs> oh god and yes. you know cause that was a decision yeah yeah that was that was a game decision you know cause like our other choices were like oh well you can just murder everybody and we're like mm-hmm. well like that's objectively individually evil but mm-hmm. like what's the holistically most evil thing sure. you can do mm-hmm. and it was keep these people employed in these horrible work conditions yeah. <laughs> of course in yeah. perpetuity yeah, so we had a lot of fun with that, and nice. we got to go knock out, you know, because, like, we're way over-leveled for some of this other stuff, because we had to get to, like, level 17 to go get the one character that we mm. needed. Now that we have everybody, and, like, we skipped over a lot of the early game stuff to grind a bunch of side quests to be able to go get this guy, now that we have him, we've done all this stuff, and, like, the first, like, main story quest that you're supposed to go is, like, level 7, mm-hmm. and our party's, like, level 21. Okay, you're, <laughs> uh, you're fine. We are going to breeze through that part of the game, and we're probably going to be able to make whatever the most evil decision is Great. without like real any consequence for what it is. So. Yeah, perfect. Dan, you've got a... A couple of things. So I mentioned last time this solo game, the B-17 Flight Leader. And so I played the first campaign, which was you had a month to destroy as many sub-pens as you could in France, German mm-hmm. sub-pens. And it was really cool because of the way the simulation worked. It really gave you a feel of how difficult that must have been. Because I went on these missions and I would almost destroy them, but they're hardened targets. And that that's a meaning in the game in terms of the bombs you use and mm-hmm. stuff. I just It took me like three missions to destroy these things. And you only have the four weeks. So I came in, like I got like a C plus for a grade. It was like okay. adequate, mm-hmm. I think, or something. And that was my first time playing through. But just the mechanics and the way everything works and when the German fighters come up to intercept, all those things was really interesting. But it gave me a good feel about how much frustration there must have been trying to destroy these things in the real world. Oh, yeah. I, of course, did some Civ Beyond Earth, Rising Tide. And before I've talked about playing against all of the AIs, this time what I'm doing in my run-through is playing each of the AIs. I've never done that before. Mm. 
because I've got this one guy that I really enjoy playing. I know exactly how he works, what his strengths are and all this. So now I'm trying to learn like what's the best way to play all the other AIs, which is was really fun. Mm-hmm. So those are the two non-Sigmar things. I am, of course, all that went away when we're getting the house ready for yeah. selling it. Yep. Uh, but that's fine. You know, all good. Sigmar games. Now, you and I got a game in, Brendan, we which did. was great. So I finally got to roll out my 60 wolf list. Yeah, your parking lot wolves. <laughs> and my two four, my two 40s of zombies, yeah. And it was really interesting, and I appreciate how instructive it was. You know, some of the things you were telling me I need to do. Like, one of the biggest takeaways for me was don't engage your wolves unless you have to. Mm. Just use them as a block and a brick. They just take up space. And so my mistake, listeners, was I kept them locked in to combat. So I gave him all those extra turns to attack me. What I should have done was it hit. I should have pulled back so that he could not have attacked me in my turn. And then it would have basically would have cut my casualties in half, literally. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that would have had a huge brick there still. Uh, But... You know, that's what we play these games for is to learn how mm-hmm. to play the armies. And so that was really, really useful. I rolled out a Heed Knights of Slanesh list, mm-hmm. the mortal stuff that I've been trying to just figure out how it works. It was interesting. There's some stuff that worked quite a bit better than I thought it would mm-hmm. in terms of the durability of it, in terms of the damage output. They're very fragile. So if I had gotten into a more offensive kind of opponent, I don't know that I would have been able yeah. to hung around in some of the ways and places that I did, but in terms of just the raw output of what the army did, I was impressed. It didn't do anything to dissuade me of the idea that maybe, just maybe, there's something there that's worth playing and and worth the time. Yeah, we'll see. One of the things I can say, too, is that I should have... Like taking a picture of the score after the second turn. Yeah. So <laughs> after the top of two, you were crushing me. It was eighteen to one, and it was like there's no way I will ever, ever, ever again be beating Brendan by a, that kind of a score, <laughs> and let alone scoring eighteen points. <laughs> it was interesting and it was fun to again learn how that big blob of stuff works. And yeah. I was really impressed with Radicarm. He was doing some work. Yeah, he did pretty he good. Took out three of your guys. I rolled three sixes and boom. <laughs> Like, yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. He, he did it. Did a number. That was yeah. You took out three just myrmidon painbringers. Yeah. Just <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Go on. It was great. Went, okay. Well. <laughs> cool stuff. Fair enough. All right. You did you guys get any games in? So you had? brought his stuff up, but we just didn't play. You yeah. Know? We were just yeah. kind of hanging out, well, catching up. It's, fine. it's been what like yeah, five September. months since we yeah, it's been a minute. something. Yeah. Yeah. Been hobbying more on my Beast Claw Raiders. Oh, yeah. Just adding little bits here and there, trying to get them top notch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because now you can roll out the Kragnos and Beast Claw. Oh, Oh, my. Full monster truck, my guy. I don't know that I told you, but I I played a Kragnos Beast Claw Raiders monster truck list a little while ago. Really? You're going to love that army. Okay. I'm pumped. Knowing you, you're going to have a blast. Yeah. Awesome. Just run in and smash. Yeah, 3d6 charging on everything. Like, let's go. Well, I'll make sure I don't go to any tournaments where you're there so I don't have to grudge you with that Uh. against that the first game. That's great. That's great, though. I think that's Sigmar Games for us, isn't it? Yeah. I think so. Events. Holy Wars is imminent, is it not? It's like next week or something. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And then we know that most of us, you know, both of us, Brendan, are signed up, I think, Mm -hmm. for all our Adepticon stuff, and we're just working towards preparing for that week 
you know, as it is. Again, the, the whole moving and selling and buying uh, a home was the timing because we're supposed to settle our, you know, close on our new home on the 15th, I think, March. Is it 15th, Cindy? We're not going to move in for a couple of days after this because the people here who have bought our place are letting us stay. Mm-hmm. But at first she thought it was that weekend was Adepticon and I'm like, well, I can't go. You know, obviously this is a life thing. I'm not right. going to, mm-hmm. I don't care about Adepticon, but it's the week after. So fortunately, I think I'll still be able to go. But relieved that it's the week after. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so I bought my house. Closing date was the week after Adepticon. Oh. And that was, <laughs> that was a nightmare. I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah, oh, wow. my oh my God. That was certainly Crazy. something. Right, because you had to get everything ready for Adepticon, and then you got back, and you know, thankfully the lease on my apartment wasn't up for you know months and months and months or whatever. But like, we wanted to move in like right away. Mm -hmm. Crazy stuff. All right, I think that's it for whispers, then, gents. It is. So why don't we move on to Emperor Lies? Man, what are we? A team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Jens, we're going to start out, Brendan, letting you talk to us about OBR White Dwarf update. Yeah, so let me just get this pulled up here on my phone. As you know, there are White Dwarf updates periodically for armies that are probably not going to have book updates for quite some time to try to bring them into alignment for Age of Sigmar 3.0. Mm-hmm. As many of you have known from about two episodes ago, I think, where I did a lot of complaining about how OCR Clone Reapers <laughs> aren't in 3.0, mm-hmm. and everybody needs to listen to me because I have all of the best ideas. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Games Workshop didn't feel that it, it was necessary to write a book quite yet, <laughs> so instead we got a, a White Dwarf update, and it addresses quite a few things. It's still not totally there, but I think that this helps get it to a time and place where it's much more manageable for this army. Sure. Okay. Two of the first things that they picked up was they got two new heroic actions. Oh, nice. Which is great. The first one is Necromantic Mastery, where this is one that you can do at the start of your hero phase. If you have a wizard, you just pick one of those Mortisen Wizards, and the first spell that they attempt to cast in the spell, if it's successfully cast, it can't be unbound. Oh, that's really nice. It is quite good. Because they're not a super magic-heavy army, and it's Mortisons only, so you can't have Arcan do it, and you can't have Nagash do it. Okay. Okay. There's one or two spells that you're ever going to be able to cast anyways, just because of the kinds of wizards that you have. Having a kind of a guarantee on one of your ones is really nice. Sure. Because what I found when I was playing my Bone Reapers was you really didn't have many heroic actions to do, because Mm -hmm. at the time there wasn't any opportunity to use you know command points or anything like that so there's only two heroic actions that you are really doing with any bit of reliability and so that was kind of a bummer you know and one of them you were using in your opponent's phase which was turn yourself into a wizard to try and unbind something okay cool neat yeah Mm -hmm. which leaves you in your turn with one to use Mm-hmm. And that's best day ever. Yeah. And you don't always want to do that every turn. And you can only you do can. that once a game. So. Mm-hmm. so you pick this one up. This one's pretty cool. The other one is called Relentless Leadership. This is one where you just pick a friendly Bone Reaper's hero and instead of doing another heroic action. Mm-hmm. You can pick one friendly hero until the end of that turn. You can use an OCR command ability without spending a Relentless Discipline point. Oh, okay. Coolio. It's like so, free command point. Exactly. So yeah. it's just like the one where it's on a four up, but you get this one for free, which is awesome. Wow. That's great. Very reliable then. 
Mm-hmm. They picked up a couple of additional command abilities because one of my other complaints was that you had too many discipline points for things to spend it on. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you still have your previous unstoppable advance where you're adding three to the movement characteristic. They picked up renit constructs. So this is one that you use at the end of your movement phase. You pick a friendly bone reapers unit that didn't move in that movement phase and is more than three inches from enemy units. And you can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to that unit or... You can return a number of slain models oh. equal to that roll. Okay. Okay. So that's pretty, something. So you yeah, can get. Helpful. You can heal. You know your monsters. You can heal your heroes. You can heal the kind of mid tier stuff. You can bring back a horse, or you can bring back D three Mortec mm-hmm. guard. But obviously, the horse you have to roll a, a five up to get a horse back. Sure. Mm-hmm. The other one, and this one's kind of whatever, is they picked up unflinching coordination. This is. After a Bone Reaper hero fights, you can spend a discipline point to have a unit that hasn't fought fight immediately after it. Okay. So. That's kind of what the Soul Blight got. They got the same thing. A hero fights, you can pick a unit. Yeah. yeah. yeah but you got to spend a discipline point on okay, this one. Yeah. And your heroes, there's not like a lot of super fighty heroes. Like the Liege Cavalos is fine. I don't know what situation you'd be in where a Liege Cavalos followed by another unit immediately is exactly what you need or what you're looking for. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, whatever. They didn't get any War Scroll Battalions, which was a little odd, but whatever. They picked up a grand strategy. It's a pretty good one. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If any friendly Mortec Guard or Cavalos Death Riders units from your starting army have the same number of models in that unit as they had at the start of the battle, you could do that or you can do Broken Ranks. Or uh, oh, Sorry, yeah. not Broken Ranks. Um, the one where you have Battle Line alive. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like that's fine. Again, it's just one of those ones where the generic is just a little bit better. Yeah. And... You know, because if you take the other one, as long as any units are alive, you get your grand strategy. This is they have to be alive and at full strength. It's what it is. They clarified some of the stuff of how you generate discipline points to match what the FAQs are and bring it into alignment and how you use some of the other items. I know that was a big thing for you was the whole discipline point, command point, making sure that was kind of lined up. Yeah, and that's the way it was in the FAQ. They didn't change it in a way where it feels any different from, you know, like the way that everybody else's stuff works. Mm -hmm. Fine, but I wouldn't expect like a full overhaul in a White Dwarf article anyway. Sure. That's that's something that comes alongside of a battle tome, if I'm being honest with myself. Right. And they picked up three new battle tactics, the first of which is Trample the Defiant. You pick a friendly Cavalos Death Rider unit that is more than three inches from all enemy units. If that unit makes a charge move and is within three inches of any enemy units at the end of that turn, you get that one. Oh, that's pretty good. It's reliable. That's, that's a good yeah, one. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. You have Unfeeling Recursion. You complete this battle tactic if two or more friendly Bone Reapers units had slain models returned to them with the Renit Constructs command ability. That one's totally in your control and super mm-hmm. manageable. I mean, and, you're going to roll ones all the time. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's pretty good. Well, and you don't have to do anything with that. You just have to use it on a unit, two units of Mortec Guard mm-hmm. that had models that were gone, and you spend two discipline points, and you're done, and that's it. But you have to remain stationary, so it's not like you can retreat and do this. You have to have units that are in the right place. But if it's set up for you, it's automatic. Sure. Mm-hmm. Which is which is not bad. And the last one is the Tide Demands. You pick one enemy hero or monster on the battlefield, and you complete it if that unit is destroyed this turn. If it was destroyed by a Gothazar Harvester, a.k.a. a monster, you score an additional victory point. So it's another bring it down with the option of kind of like a Slay the Warlord light. The battle tactics are excellent. In terms of 
competitive play, you have these three in your pocket. They're not turn limit based. All three of them are deeply achievable and or build on, you know, an existing one that is out there already without any major negatives, right? So this one, it spells out that you have to do it with the Gothazar Harvester, but there's only like three monsters, four monsters that you could even take in a Bone Reaper army. Mm-hmm. And one of them's Arcan, one of them is Nagash, one of them is Drog. <laughs> And then the other one's the harvester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're like, fine. <laughs> cool clarification. This is a meaningful update, I think. It adds the things that a lot of Bone Reaper players, including myself, were feeling were missing okay. in terms of heroic actions, the grand strategies, whatever. The battle tactics are great. You know, there wasn't anything meaningful done with your discipline points, but you added on some new things to spend it on. So at least you have more items that you can feel like you can do stuff with because, you know, there were games with my Bone Reapers where there's times where I had so many discipline points, I was like, oh, I don't have to even pay attention. Like, it almost makes it, mm-hmm. it adds efficiency then. Yeah, I'll just I'll just spend it on whatever I want, whenever I want, and, like, I've got enough points. At least here, yeah. at least you're introducing the idea of decision-making. Choice. So, yeah. and that's all you really want. But, cool. yeah, super cool. Thrilled with this one. Beast of Chaos is the next one that's coming out. Nice. So, hopefully we'll get some leaks on that pretty soon. And I hope it's meaningful because that's an army that could use oh, a little God. bit of love, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. A lot of love. Okay, thank you for that. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay, listeners, the next thing we're going to talk about is, I don't know contentious is the word, but I think we're going to give you an honest breakdown of how we feel about the Warhammer ITC partnership. And we wanted to talk about this earlier because we're going to have some things that aren't going to be positive. We're not going to like just drive them into the ground or anything like that, but we have some things, we have concerns. And so we thought we would talk about that first here and then go on to some things that are either a little more neutral and finish up with something that's very positive, which is the roadmap. So we're going to talk about the ITC partnership. We're going to talk about the LVO meta, like what we saw and some things that were exciting and kind of surprising. And then we're going to finish up with the Sigmar roadmap, just so people know, uh, gents, what we're going to do. So let's talk about the ITC partnership that was announced. And for those who aren't aware, I want to give a very brief history for ITC. It was formed many years ago by two very ambitious young men, Frankie and Reese. And the 40K organized play community was in shambles. It was almost non-existent. And there were a lot of people that just wanted it to be there. They wanted something. And Games Workshop just wasn't meeting the need. So these two guys stepped up and they literally created almost from nothing an organized play community and it has grown exponentially it is huge it is international Mm -hmm. and so they filled this gap when it wasn't being filled by the parent company as it were they have just been unbelievably successful at building their business the itc has been part of that it's their trademark kind of a thing so what has happened now is that it's gotten to a point where games workshop has said hey we need to partner with itc because they are so i think because they're so influential in the community Mm -hmm. especially on the 40k side not so much on our side the age of sigmar stuff but and that's kind of the setup for what has happened they have said that they are going to do a lot to incentivize people. They're going to do a lot to help tournament organizers and the community. My first impression is this is marketing to me, is what this is from Games Workshop, really. Because when I look at the things they say they're going to kind of give away and all that stuff, I mean, on the surface, it's great. And a 2,000-point army, nothing to just say, ah, that's, that's kind of minimizing it. If you're playing at the level and you're attending the number of tournaments that you need to attend to get the number of points you need to win that 
army, it's going to cost you a lot of money just to travel and to stay in hotels. Sure. Mm-hmm. So yep. from a monetary perspective, I don't know if there's much benefit there. You know, there are other things that they've talked about giving away rules and doing some other things like that. That's fine. I'm glad they're offering something. But again, it just seems very cursory. It seems like a real minimalist type of approach from their contribution. And then, you know, Brendan, I talked to you earlier about from a tournament organizer standpoint, I kind of chuckled when I saw what they were talking about. Now, I know a lot of this could be for new TOs coming into the community. I get that. But in the ITC, the motivation and the way you get those points is by big events. Small events aren't going to do anything for you really in terms of getting you in the place where you want to be, you know, moving up. And so for larger tournament organizers, they said, you know, for everybody we're going to support by giving terrain and doing other stuff. If you've already got you know, like Bruce City, you've already got all the terrain pretty much you could use. Almost all of it, And yeah. all these tournament organizers at these larger levels, which are going to be the ones that are meaningful in ITC, they've already got what they need. It's good that they're offering and that they're trying to include the little guys who are just starting out. But again, I don't see that as a really meaningful thing. I see that as a very cursory offering. So those are kind of my first reactions to some of this stuff. The other thing that I'm concerned about is the mechanism for making it to the top is about points. It's all about points. And you get more points by going to larger tournaments. That's just the mechanic. Mm-hmm. You can argue it any way you want. That's the bottom line. And I've already heard talk about in England what they're going to do is they're going to be running a whole bunch of like 300-person tournaments. Like every month they're going to be running one of these. Mm-hmm. So people can just stack the points like crazy, right, mm-hmm. in terms of moving up in the ITC. If you're going to go to like three LVOs, that size of a tournament or whatever, they're still going to outpoint you because they're going to more things. You know, they're getting more points and it's, the points are all based on the size of the events, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a concern because I think it's going to create some gentrification of the community in that, you know, we got these people who are playing at the big events. They're the really, you know, predator type of, as you mentioned earlier, Nick, those predator type of players. Yeah, the power gamers. Yeah, they want to get up there and they're Mm going to play at the big tournaments. The little guys, you know, even like an Indie Storm or Bruce City where you got 60, you know, 50 people, 40 people, those tournaments, they're not really going to be meaningful in terms of the ITC or for people who play in them Mm -hmm. to have any shot at all of being really ranked in the ITC. So those are my thoughts, at least out the gate. Okay. I'm even on that quite a bit less positive on Mm -hmm. what it is. And so so that's not to say that I don't see that there are good things in here. Mm -hmm. One of the things in the article is every participant in an ITC tournament or event, no matter how big or small, will have a chance to win an invitation to a special annual event and will even cover your travel and accommodations. Awesome, cool, fantastic. Not tied to winning. Love it. Cool, Mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. New event types for, you know, competitive players, narrative players, whatever. Cool, awesome, fantastic. Great. And they're even going to do a hobby track for it. So, you know, gaming is not the only thing that's important in this hobby. Cool, awesome, fantastic, great, positive. And that has always been something I will will give Frankie and Reese credit for is they've always tried to keep that hobby score and that piece of it as meaningful. And that's great. You know, they'll give tournament organizers access to the codexes and battle tomes and everything they need. Cool, awesome, fantastic. We'll see what the threshold is on that, right? Because if, you know, I'm going to run a local one day or am I going to get access to everything that I need to do that? Where's the limit? Mm-hmm. Right. And that would make no sense for them to do that for every single event. Yeah. yeah. We'll be increasing the amount of terrain and other product support available. Cool. Because to this point, I've gotten nothing from Games Workshop and I've asked every year. And mm-hmm. they don't even acknowledge your event's existing if it's under 100 people. Yep. Mm-hmm. So That's cool. Where's the concern, line? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fine. 
Let's okay. see. We'll find out. Right. Oh, well, we can list you on our website. That does not help me in the slightest. Yeah. The tournament organizers will have a chance to join a TO advisory group. This one, I think, I think is actually objectively quite good. Yes. The nature of that is not winning-based. You guys are going to notice a theme. <laughs> it's not winning-based. It provides best practices for people who are going to be newer to it. Mm -hmm. And because you know, I've been doing this for a number of years... I didn't learn all of this overnight. You know, mm -hmm. I went to mm -hmm. a lot of events. I took what I liked from events that were well-ran, and I looked at things that weren't well-ran, and I said, okay, well, I got to make sure not to do that. Then I started doing it and had my own experiential on what worked and what didn't and lessons learned and evolved and adapted. But that's time and energy and money. And if there's a shortcut that you can take to have access to things that worked and things that didn't, Great. That's awesome. Sure. That's good for everybody. You know, organizers will have an opportunity to participate in the all new balanced data slate. Again, at what level, right? You know, who, like, where's the threshold? If I'm running a 15 man local tournament where everybody plays corn and the one guy who brings the thing that, you know, just beats the pants off of corn, but isn't what's normally in the meta, does his opinion count anywhere near as much as the opinion of an organizer if they're running LVO, Nova? Mm -hmm these 300-person yeah. events, at what level is the invitation sent out? Well, mm -hmm. and one of the things, to that point, there was something else about if you're successful, if you're winning, if you're... Oh, you're we're getting that. to that. Okay. We'll get to that in okay. just a minute. All right. So winners of major ITC events will be invited to compete at the official Warhammer final where the best players in the world will get a chance to battle it out for eternal glory. The first invitations will be awarded at the LVO. Okay, fine. Like, you want to have some winning incentives... Cool. Mm -hmm. Winners of major ITC events will receive a redeemable code for their choice of any Age of Sigmar or Warhammer 40,000 digital rules entitlement. Mm. But at the end of the day, that's $50. Mm -hmm. Right? Effectively, you, you get access to a battle tome, mm -hmm. maybe that you didn't own. Mm -hmm. Fine. Not huge. Fine. ITC Best in Faction winners for Warhammer Age of Sigmar and 40K will receive a digital rules entitlement for the subsequent calendar year for the relevant game system. That is... I estimated worth about three hundred dollars. Okay, mm -hmm. assuming a battle tome every other month for a total of six during the year. Mm -hmm. But if you get one every month, six hundred dollars. Yeah. You know? okay. Yeah, it's a non-negligible. It's a yeah. meaningful amount of money, especially mm -hmm. you know, like Dan. There was probably a year where you could have been the best ITC player in the world with Night Haunt because <laughs> you continued to show up. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> and, and this gets back to my point about who are these people who are winning? Who are these people that are best of? Mm -hmm. They're people who have the most points. And who are those people? They were the ones who go to the largest events and you know they, that's mm -hmm. where they build up those maximum points. It definitely gentrifies the community. So yeah. go ahead, Brendan. End of year ITC winners, hobby track and competitive, both for Sigmar and 40K, will get to choose an army of their choice of up to 2,000 points. Cool, right? Okay. So value that at about $1,000. A meaningful sum of money to most people. Oh, sure. for sure. Yeah. Uh, we do have some very wealthy persons where $1,000 is nothing to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Fine, whatever. But for your average person, yeah. I mean, everyone wants a new army. Yeah. Sure. Uh, top performing ITC finishers will have the opportunity to participate in the all-new Balanced Data Slate feedback <sighs> group to help shape the future of Warhammer gaming events. So all those things that we last listed were based on winning. Mm -hmm. Psychologically, the human behavior profile changes when there are rewards involved. Yep. So typically, when you're playing in a current Age of Sigmar tournament, What's on the other side of doing the winning? You get a cool trophy. And some cases, some events, there's, you know, like an $85 start collecting box for <laughs> yeah. something that you don't get a choice of. It's just, hey, this is what we got. Here you go. Mm -hmm. Might not even be for a faction you care about. I can't tell you how many prize support things I've won <laughs> where I've just turned to one of our clubmates and gone, right. hey, you're interested in this. Here you go. Mm -hmm. What do you want for it? Nothing. It was free to me. Like, you know, so... 
Yes, there are currently people who are bad actors in the community currently who will undertake what I would consider high-risk behaviors. Yep. Uh, the largest of which is active and acknowledged cheating. Mm-hmm. The second, you know, the slightly lower tier is deceptive practices. You know, so people who aren't totally clear, don't fully disclose, but they haven't lied to you. Mm-hmm. They were intentionally obfuscating. Lying by omission. Yeah, to try and get that game advantage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be things as simple as not reminding your opponents about something that is to their benefit, but making sure that, that you apply it when it's your turn. Mm-hmm. Angle shooting, rules lawyering, things that are legal, quote unquote, within the scopes of what the game allows currently. But when there is a higher reward, you are more likely to engage in a higher risk activity. That is measurable, that is demonstrable, and that is provable. There are some people where their risk profile and their reward profile, it doesn't trigger for them. Mm -hmm. Introducing more rewards, introducing things of higher value. And yes, I understand it costs more money to go to a tournament and to get to those ITC points than it takes to to get that 2,000 point army. And it's more cost efficient Mm -hmm. to just buy the army realistically and i understand mm-hmm. that it's more cost efficient to just buy all the battle tomes for that year than than to do this winning but that's not the point there are people where the nature of winning is so important to their yep. individual value mm-hmm. that they want to be you know the best x whatever player that they want to be the best you know so and so player they want to finish in the top whatever of the itc rankings because you know they want to say, I was the best Night Haunt player, and as such, I got $600 worth of books from Games Workshop this last year. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to say that. You're going to have people that look at that being part of that balance testing group, a something that of which is a variable value, right? Because there's not a fixed cost, you know, like when you go to the grocery store and you say, you know, I want to buy, you know, 24 cases of, you know, Coca-Cola. There is a value to that. It's that street mm-hmm. cred kind of a thing is what it ends up Ex- being. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there, there is going to be individuals who view that as something worth more than that 2,000 point army, mm-hmm. that $1,000 associated with it. There are some people that are going to look at that and say, you know, in terms of their internal spend, that this is worth $3,000 to me, right? It's worth going to $3,000 worth of tournaments and doing well to be in that group. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what I do in between, I will do everything possible to make sure I'm on that group. If it costs my opponent a fun game at the table, for sure. If I have to be operating in that ethically gray area, I certainly won't, you know, cheat my dice. You know, I, I won't, you know, say that that two is a three or, you know, whatever. But I'm willing to just be like, oh, well, you know. You know, this unit's kind of whatever in combat. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, it's 11 attacks, threes by threes, rend seven, <laughs> damage 45. And yeah. you go, yeah. that's okay to you? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm concerned in the competitive incentives. Sure. Because the more rewards that you apply to this, the more incentive that is applied to the winning aspect of it without any sort of behavioral penalty, without any sort of identifying, oh, well, there's a yellow card and a red card system. Why does that exist to begin with? Mm-hmm. Right? The one benchmark we have that exists before for the Age of Sigmar community is the 40k ITC community. And before COVID, you couldn't go a weekend without there being some on-camera caught scandal in terms of somebody engaging oh, in yep. either outright cheating yep. or this ethically gray moral attitude. Caught on camera, observed, known. Mm-hmm. Fixed quantity. What was happening on table two that wasn't streamed? Yeah. 
Yep. Sure. Where does this end? Because this isn't something that has an identifiable positive connotation to it in my sure. mind mm-hmm. at the top end. Mm-hmm. Right. And for a lot of folks, it's not going to matter. Right. You know, for a lot of folks, it's just a, oh, cool. You know, I, there's an opportunity for me to, to win a, a trick to Warhammer World to play in this cool event. And for those people, I think that this is great. For those that get in the way of somebody who is trying to earn all of their points, who are trying to get into that balance group, who are trying to win that 2000 point army, who are trying to be best in faction, who are trying to associate something with their individual self value in terms of their success in the game, those people are the ones that I feel sorry for. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. this is going to be the component that really brings a negative factor to their experience with this. And it's a detriment yep. to all players. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And so I'll say this on the front end. Bruce City Brawl is not going to be an ITC event. Yeah. Nice. Flatly. Absolutely. And if you wanted to go to my event because you wanted to pick up some cheap, easy ITC points, it was never going to be the place for you anyways. Yeah. yeah. Right. And Brenda, I want to say this... you kind of segued into something I have a real issue with with this is ITC for all the benefits it's brought because it's brought a uniformity it's brought a consistency to gameplay you Mm -hmm. know but my problem with that is is I enjoy going to events that are unique Mm -hmm. I enjoy going to Bruce City because of what it is or Indie Storm because of what it is or NashCon because of what wherever I'm going it's unique Mm -hmm. and I think my kind of projecting this is that if it's an ITC event, they have a certain set of rules that you have to meet, certain set of standards in setting up and your rules and how you run your tournament. Awards that, offered, I'm sure. Awards that are what they want. You know, it's kind of a corporate model kind of a thing. Yeah. And I think it might take away a lot of that uniformity if you want to be part of that community or take away that uniqueness. Yep. I'm disappointed if I see that kind of thing because that's one of the reasons I love playing the game. Yeah, yeah. I think those of us that, that do want to run unique events and do want to attend unique events, those will always be there. I don't see any reason why the community at large wouldn't look at something like NashCon with the dual list format that offers right. something special, that offers something unique, and they would say to themselves, oh, well, I, that doesn't sound like fun. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it, it doesn't sound like fun because I'm not going to get any ITC points. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, look, buddy, you weren't going to win best in whatever. <laughs> like, you know... <laughs> There's only so many people that can win every year, and there's only so many people that are going to actually be able to compete in a window. Right. Yeah. Just naturally. Right. That's the way it exists. Like, right. if you're the 100th best Stormcast player, attending NashCon isn't going to make you the winner of Stormcast best in Stormcast, even if you yeah. win NashCon. Like, that's not a real thing. I think a lot of these events will still exist. And that's true. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, and if it gets to a place where we can't run it for some reason, then why? Yeah. Right? Like, what's. I would say my worry with sort of corporations kind of, you know, going in and running things is that there's always that aspect where when the financial incentive gets too high, then they start trying to squeeze out the little guys, you know. So I hope they wouldn't do that. I'm not taking any money from anybody, which, yeah. is, which is like, so that's the part of the component from this that I think is, is you guys are both you, Dan, off mic, and, and you here, Nick, on mic, the squeezing out the little guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking any money from them. Yeah. There is no money to be had. I've run Bruce City Brawl at a loss every single year. Mm-hmm. And then any money that we make from charity goes to charity. Goes right to the charity. Right. Cool. You want to lose $400 every year? And are you going to run a charity event, you know, as cool as the Bruce City table raffle? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Like, mm-hmm. go nuts if you want to try and squeeze me out. Like, sure. it's, yeah. yeah. There's, there's nothing here for you. There's only a bunch of us who want to play kind of chill basement hammer style tournaments mm-hmm. uh, with weird and unusual rewards. Yeah. Like, it's, 
But I, I would definitely say that, you know, don't get it wrong. Don't get it mixed here. Is that I do think that there are positives. Absolutely. Yes, I, and I think there are positives for the overwhelming majority of players. Mm hmm. The thing that concerns me is the thing that is going to most likely impact the space in which I like to operate in most, mm -hmm. right? So some of my concern is deeply selfish. I have enough uh, time, you know, dealing with some folks who are kind of competitive jerks, right? It's the way it is. And I can be one from time to time, and I'm certain to tell some folks that I was being a real jerk during that game. Sometimes it was very intentional. Uh, <laughs> but what I don't want to engage in is people who are holistically unapologetic mm -hmm. about that kind of activity because yeah. you know there are times where i have regretted you know mm -hmm. being a little tense and terse at the table sure mm -hmm. but that's because right there's people at stake yeah there's relationships mm -hmm. if you don't care about the relationships and you don't care about the people and you care about that 600 dollars code at the end of it yeah then there's nothing i can do for you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the only existing example that we have of what this looks like before is not good yes mm -hmm. so I would say, too, you know, for me, right, I play in, like, two to three tournaments a year, some side games here and there. I mainly go to hang out with my friends, mm -hmm. to meet some new people, to just, like, look at the armies and enjoy company, you know, the community aspect of it. And, you know, I hope I'm wrong, but it feels like this sort of high-level corporate approach to it, you're going to have people exactly who are less focused on the community and more focused on winning, and they're going to make those decisions that lead to less fun play for your opponent so that they can win. Mm -hmm. You know, a, like an example I feel like that I could see going away, but I hope not is, you know, when I show up to a table and I don't fully understand an army, we, you know, go through lists, and people are generally pretty active and this interaction happens here and you know here's kind of what i'm doing i feel like when it's all tournament all money on the line that's going to go away and it's going to be like you know you need to know what every army does you have to have every rule down and yeah i don't know well we'll see gents we'll see what happens and those are our thoughts and some of that stuff we hope doesn't come to fruition but there are things you said brendan that are positive and we hope we see that come to fruition and contribute to the community on the sigmar situs in particular mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me so we're going to move on, folks, and we're going to talk about the LVO Top 8, the Elite 8, as it were. And we're going to talk about the list just briefly because we this is our first major tournament, really, in this calendar year. Certainly and, of this size, you yeah. know, the, the pushing 200 number. I think they yeah. were 172 or something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's meaningful, I think, because we've had, you know, some Battle Tomes come out recently. We had Mega King come out, some other ones, Stormcast and stuff. So let's just talk through these lists a little bit real quickly. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about, it was the Stormcast Eternals list. It had eight dragons in it. Like, wow. <laughs> what wow. does that say? Yeah. And there's another Stormcast list we're going to talk about. Hmm, some dragons. But what do you think, guys? Unsurprising. Yeah. There is counterplay to the dragons. The cost increase that they saw was helpful, was beneficial, was something good and worthwhile. Because otherwise this could have been like 11 or 12 or 13 dragons and... It was just more stuff and, you know, more stuff packed in the same bag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Obviously, they got to a point where they had gotten into the top eight. They had 5 and owed the events. I don't know the opponents they'd gotten to it, but to see an army like that within this window at the undefeated level, not surprising. It's a list that does the things well. There's a couple of matchups it doesn't like seeing, but 
overall, it's not something that would have scared me away from from taking it at an event. Sure. And mm-hmm. Just cool seeing eight dragons on the table, my gosh. And yeah. if you know what you're doing, you can do it well. And But if your opponent really knows what they're doing, they know how to dismantle your army in a way to outscore you over sure. the course of the game. They're gaining the benefits for removing things that have the monster keyword. Right, so you get the battle tactic that's worth two. If the target was a monster, you did it with a monster. You get that extra point, and then you get another point oh, for sure. removing a monster. So if you do it right, you can earn a full extra game's worth of battle tactics in the scoring. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is a cost to the right. benefit of how... Of Taking a monster army, literally. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, anything, Nick, for you? Anything you... Okay. No, just dragons. All right, yeah. just dragons. <laughs> Then we had a Soulblight list. This list made it to the top two. Yep. This was in the final. Yep. With 120 zombies and Drog. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah. Squaring off against the cities list, which yeah, is 260 bricks of zombies. <laughs> Crazy. I was a little surprised to see it at 7 and 0. Oh. You know, there's certainly yeah. quite a bit of value in having that many wounds, that many models that are in that space, right? You have the offensive component in Drog. I don't know that that's necessarily where I end right. This is. Monday morning quarterback, like, to the extreme. I don't know that that was necessarily the right point spend, and it's difficult to question somebody who had gotten that far. Mm-hmm. In taking Drog, when there's so much in that Soulblight book that is good, maybe the decision was based around Drog is a little more reliable in terms of number of wounds and offensive output than something of kind of the equivalent scale, which is a Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon, and maybe that's where the, the cost decision got put into. I've been saying it since the book came out, the Soul Blight book is good, and the Soul Blight book is versatile, and ta-da! It, it is. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the next list was a cities list. Now, this is the one... It made no sense to me. Yeah. I, I have no idea. It, it's crazy. There's two Frostheart Phoenixes, there's three Assassins, 30 Phoenix Guards, three units of 10, and then there were two units of 10 Shadow Warriors. Okay. It just seems kind of like throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. So it was Phoenicium. The two Frostart Phoenixes create an area of effect of minus one to wound, which is, as we've talked about, the most difficult to overcome negative modifier in the game. Because mm-hmm. there's just not very many plus one to wounds, hardly anywhere. Mm-hmm. There are some, and but most armies have no access to plus one to wound. So being mm-hmm. minus one to wound is a major impact in terms of your ability to project effectiveness of your unit in combat. Phoenicium, when things die, the Phoenix Guard get better. So my understanding, my guess on this was you put the Assassins out in slow individual stages to get them to trigger the benefit, right? Mm Because the Assassins are like four or five wounds each and very squishy. Sure. You toss them out to try and trigger that benefit so that the Phoenix Guard can go to work. Phoenix Guard are pretty difficult to move. They have a four-up ward uh, on top of the four-up save that they have already. But, I mean... That's got to be like the only army this person plays. Like, yeah. looking at it on the surface, like you wouldn't have expected it to. No, be there. you know, if you had given me the 176 lists in front of it, like you know that that we're playing, I would have gone. It certainly wouldn't have made it into mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next, we have a Nighthawk list. Yes. yes, and it's a Nagash, of course, Nighthawk list. Surprise. <laughs> Spirit Torment, 30 Chain Rass. And we're again, just hitting the highlights here. And then a unit of nine Spirit Hosts. Now, this was the Emerald Host oh, yeah, procession. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's only a couple of Hex Wraiths in here. The nine Spirit Hosts, though, it's pretty tough to get through with a four up. With Nagash on the table, where yeah. you're getting a full one back every time he uses his bring yeah. stuff back. So he would heal the one to full, and then you always get an additional model in, you know, 
or you reroll the dice, but in this right. case, there's no dice rolling. So, you, mm-hmm. so you, would, you would heal your three wounds on that unit, and then you would get another model every time he uses Two that ability. Yep. So it may get a lot tougher to get through those nine. Nagash it speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Spirit Torment has certain benefits. I can understand that. I almost always take one of those in my nine on list. I was just happy to see Nighthawk get that far. Yeah, get to a 5-0, and oh, be in the top eight. It, it was... And it says something for Nagash being in a night hunt list for mm-hmm. sure uh, makes it something you know you you want to give a try and see how it works out and then we had the this was the winner i believe it was the it? winner this is a city's list it's a sorceress 40 crossbows i think it was two units to 20 brendan was that right i believe a crossbows or it was a unit of 30 and a unit of 10 i mm-hmm. think that's what it was we have four fulminators oh wow that's a surprise and then we had four dragons so, so this was living cities and this is built around a very popular archetype with living cities where you do have a brick of very good shooting units it's normally iron drakes but he chose to save some of the points and take crossbows instead Mm -hmm. so that he could afford the four dragons Mm. now typically you have the unit of four fulminators the four fulminators are usually off board living cities has a command ability that after you shoot if you're outside of nine which you are if you came off the board edge you get to make a free move after you shoot which is Pretty good when you're movement 12. Oh, yeah. uh, so you'll get three inches away from whatever it is that you want. And then fulminators are obviously excellent off the charge. So that pairing is pretty obvious. The dragon's inclusion is quite nice because that's another really excellent unit that's sitting in the game. And taking the discount on the crossbows isn't a bad thing. The value in the iron drakes is to be able to get them up to Ren 2, uh, which is quite good. But in exchange here, you're doing higher volume of shots trying to get a similar effect. Living Cities is good. He's an excellent player. He's one of the best players in Texas, which is, you know, where a lot of good players are currently. So... Yeah, and congratulations. Right, a, a deserving winner. You have to have a lot of things that go into winning five games, and then in this case, winning the other three, the last to get to 8-0. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. You know, you have to have stuff go right with your dice. You got to have the right matchups. You got to get the right missions. It's really hard to get to that point and win that many games in a row. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when your last three games are all typically very good players and very good lists. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next one, Nick, is a Beast Caller list for you. Uh, this one, the one I was most excited about so in this list. two Frost Lords, a Huskard, there's a Butcher, and then there was nine Yetis. There was three units of three Yetis that they had brought. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Beast Claw. Making it to the top eight. This one was, of looking at all of them, including the city's Phoenician list, this was the one in the top eight that was most surprising. They didn't play kind of the traditional monster truck. They played the sub-faction where all of your wizards get an extra lore spell. Mm -hmm. And there's the splatter cleaver, which is a healing weapon and artifact, which is a really good artifact with all this mounted stuff. Having the three units of three yetis for shenanigans pile-ins, like... yeah. (laughs) I think they were eliminated in the first round of the eight, but I mean, to get to five and oh mm-hmm. was a feat unto itself. Like that was really cool. That was a really exciting list to see make the final eight. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, I always like seeing, you know, we'll say non-standard lists mm-hmm. winning and yeah. I play Beast Claw right now. So it's fun to see. And that. I don't want to see any Yetis, by the way, just so you know. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about throwing some in there. Yeah, why not? They look pretty fun. Now, the next one we have is the Iron Jaws list. There were two cabbages and 12 pigs. I think there were four units of three pigs, if I remember right. Hmm. Iron Jaws. Iron Jaws are very good. Pigs are very good. Cabbages are very good. And Noah's an incredible player. Yes. Like, yep. that's typically a recipe to doing well at an yeah, event. Absolutely. I, the rider has a lot to do with the horse. So uh, the last one was another Stormcast list. 
It was a relictor, an imperident, nine annihilators. Three units of three. Yep. And then six long strikes and two units of three aether wings to give them a little bit of guidance. Very so, different. Yes. Annihilators were one of the things that were feared in early 3.0 in terms of how you're going to deal with them, but then everyone realized fulminators were really good and everyone knew the dragons were going to be good. It was just a matter of when were we getting models. Mm -hmm. So having an Annihilators list do that well was pretty cool, actually. Mm -hmm. It's not a list that has done well elsewhere. How about that? So one of the reasons, you know, as we wrap this part of the Emperor Lies up is we just wanted to look at this and say, do you think this is going to be indicative? For example, we didn't see any giants here. We didn't see any daughters here. We saw no Seraphon. We saw no Knights of the First... What is it? Um, the Legion of the First, first Prince. Legion of the First Prince. T- things that we typically see in the top. We didn't see any of that here. So I thought that was really interesting for the first really big event out of the gate. I don't think that that's necessarily the right scope to be looking it's at not- for that concern. Okay. Because the I think the right concern is what are all the lists that went 5-0? and oh? Mm-hmm. And I think sitting at nine was a giant's list. And I think sitting at 10 was a daughter's list sure. of a bunch of snakes and bow snakes. When the event is this large, you're going to have a number of people who go five and oh. That's just the math of yes. it. And when the top eight is decided by fractional and marginal things of, you know, I scored more points or, you know, I dropped one battle tactic. I was still five and oh, but I dropped one over the course of it. Yep. And it just happened to be that the eight people in front of you got all of them, then... It's what it is. Mm -hmm. So you don't think this is indicative, really? Well, I think some of this is clearly, you know, part of what's going forward. But the things that are excluded, you know, that you just mentioned, their exclusion, I don't think, you know, summons a death knell for, oh, we don't have to worry about giants anymore. We don't have to worry about Legion of the First Prince. Sure. You know, oh, daughters can't do it. Like, all it takes is a slightly different matchup. It could have been that, you know, the best daughters player caught one of these players, one of... You know, in round two, and mm-hmm. and that what should have been an elite eight game was resolved at eleven thirty in the morning yeah, on right. Friday. Yep. What's most interesting to me is the things that ended up going five and zero, oh, the things mm-hmm. that ended up going four and one. Like there were a lot of Nurgle lists in that four mm-hmm. and one category, yeah. and they were very different yes. from mm-hmm. from each other. I think things like that are indicative of. That book's going to be good, mm-hmm. and you know there was a five and zero oh with a Nurgle list. I think like the weekend before with just a bunch of beasts of Nurgle. Oh, cool. This is important and valuable and provides a very limited snapshot. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that is more important is as you expand the window, Mm -hmm. what are all of the things that won five games? Mm -hmm. Sure. I think if you want to do an exclusionary cutoff point of what does this look like, that's the snapshot I'd take. Okay. And, you know, if you wanted to say, well, what's potentially in that window, I would take it to... You know, the four and ones that fell underneath it. You maybe take that a, a, with a little bit more of a grain of salt than the five and O stuff because some of those folks who are four and one could have just as equally been three and two in that last game, depending on a pairing situation or the mission or situation. Or dice roll sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So, in terms of you know, what to expect, I would say go grab all the five and O stuff at LVO and, okay. and look at that exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, then we're going to move on to our last topic, which is the roadmap that was released. And we've got winter, spring, summer to talk about. Winter, we kind of know about gents, right? Well, they better hurry up because winter is running out pretty soon, yeah. If winter hears you, though, it's going to go another two months. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) If Pucks the Tawny Phil is going to try to snowblower out, (laughs) I'm in a natural standoff with the weather. Where I have a new new snowblower, and weather has not given me the joy of using it, because all of our snow here to this point has just been, like, light dustings and things like that. 
It's like it knows. <laughs> this is a conspiracy against me mm-hmm. to not use this new snowblower. Well, feel free to come to Chicago and snowblow my driveway, because I don't like <laughs> shoveling it too much. <laughs> So the two... You don't hardly have a driveway. What are you talking about? I oh still don't particularly yeah, yeah, like listeners, I get a deal. I get a, it's like herding cats, you know, with these two. <laughs> Honestly, it truly is. Anyway. We used to be worse. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the winter releases, we got Ideneth first that we know of, and then we have Fire Slayers. Yes, I think that's it. Ideneth have to be, like, imminent in well, terms well, of Well, I think drops. both are going to come out at, like, the same time. It's going to be a dual release. Okay, like the box was a dual release yeah i I think you're gonna get just like what we got with the stormcast and warclans book books will come out and you know whatever else associated with will come out and then if there's multi-stages to the release then they're gonna come out together okay it's sometime soon hopefully yeah Uh, i would think today right february nothing we haven't seen anything today about pre-releases or anything i haven't looked in okay well while i'm talking you can go ahead and take a quick look on your digital device. If only I had all of the knowledge of humankind at the tip of my fingers. (laughs) Which you do. All right. So, as Brendan's checking to see if there is any news about either one of those battle tomes, the spring release is, of course, personally so exciting. Because we've got Night Haunt, and then we have Daughter. So I want to comment on the Daughters thing first. And I just have one word for comment. Why? Like, really, why? What do Daughters need? They're already a great army. They're already very successful in the meta. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out why they didn't pick something else in order to come out. Yeah. I, I just... Nope, nothing for these. Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. This book came out in February yeah. of last year. And we're getting another book within the next three, three to four months, months yeah. let's say. Yeah, in the spring. Whatever. That's my only comment on, on Daughters. And I'm happy for my friends who are Daughters players. That's great. Yeah, It's always great when somebody gets a new book. It's all good stuff. But Night Haunt, you know, Brendan, you and I had this conversation with you a little bit. Like, what's your reaction? Because, you know, we got a new hero. We got some crossbow guys. Coolio. My reaction is... I'm excited that they're going to get a new book, but I'm not going to get excited about some crossbow guys and a new hero. I'm not going to go out and buy this box, by the way, because (gasps) for $200, I'm not going to get one guy and five shooty guys. I have everything else I need. Yeah, oh, 10. Okay. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. And you don't know. What if they're really good and you need them like right away? I don't. Okay. So, because <laughs> I'm going to have my soul light list. I'm going to have my wolf's list to play. Yeah. Right? Right. I guess so, I'm going to play Night Haunt then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm looking forward to them maybe doing some of the things we had talked about a couple episodes ago. We did some wish listing. It would be great. But we haven't seen anything yet. So, until we really see stuff and we see leaks come out and see if there's going to be any meaningful changes to the book. You know, Lady O is going to be an actual Mortark now. Or maybe Kurtos will finally be uh, some that you see usually taken. Yeah, not terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knows what else is going to come out. If we see those kind of things, great stuff. Otherwise, I'll look forward to just talking about a Nighthawk battle tome during the show. That'd be wonderful. Whatever it turns out to be. I'm not being cynical here. I'm just being cautious in terms of getting You're way not too... ready to be heard again. I understand. No, yeah. no there, there it is, Fred. I'm not ready for rejection. That, those are the two for spring. And then in summer, we don't know where we're getting. We know we're getting a chaos book and an order book. Yep. Any thoughts gentlemen on what those are going to be. So the front runner on the Chaos book is Skaven because in the preview they use the language for what a group of rats is called and so that is, you know, kind of the foreshadowing, right? But you know there are these people who 
deep dive and want to pick apart, you know, everything for all the rumors that could possibly be. So the other half of this, right, is so they use that. We're getting a Beast of Chaos White Dwarf, you know, next month. We know that. And we very recently got a Slanesh book. So that's not an indicator necessarily of mm-hmm. you know, of newness because mm-hmm. it was a year ago. Nurgle just came out, so there's no way it's that. Yep. Which leaves you with kind of th- three or four choices. You've Blades. got Slaves of Darkness. Slaves. Yep. But Slaves just had a Tome Celestial, so probably not. Blades of Corn, maybe. Mm-hmm. Zinch, maybe. And Skaven is your front runner. So between those three is okay. unless we're going to get a whole new chaos book, which would be It'd be pretty cool. I mean, that would be chaos dwarves. I mean, obviously the people's talking about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of hope Corn, honestly. I think it'd be cool to see a refresh on that, some new models, and yeah, just bring it. Yeah, a new arm. hero and update a little bit. Yeah, bring it into 3.0. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Zinch doesn't need any help. Zinch is always dumb and good. And yeah, they're always out there yeah then the order book so the order one is the one that's way more up in the air we know we've already got our stormcast one i think we're good there Mm -hmm. we got a daughter's one right we're getting a daughter's one we're getting a deepkin one we're getting a fire slayers one there's ko that would be out there Mm -hmm. there is sylvaneth Mm -hmm. that are potentially out there and i'm sure i'm gonna miss an order army here and and really piss off like Mm -hmm. one person and so cities is the front runner Mm -hmm. for what the order book is going to be and it's going to be you know relabeled as the dawnbringer crusade the rumor is that the skaven and dawnbringer crusade battle tome are going to be the preview into a modern version of mordheim Oh, okay. We'll see how that one lands. Cities could definitely use it for refresh because there are a lot of rules interactions in cities that are not intended consequences in 3.0. So that would be kind of cool. But in terms of the stuff that's fixed, you know, what are we hoping to get out of that? So obviously, Dan, you know, we spent a whole episode talking about what we want for Nighthaunt. I think we'll skip right over that, at least with you talking about it. Listen to the episode, yeah. Right. So we have previews in terms of what the War Scrolls look like for the Deepkin and the Fire Slayer stuff, Mm -hmm. with the Deepkin largely getting everything that we've asked for and more, Mm -hmm. and the Fire Slayer's with what was previewed, not getting anything at all that we asked for. Nope. And so, <laughs> what, are, what are we hoping to get out of those two books? Eidenath, you mean? Yeah, Eidenath and then Fire Slayers. I think I mentioned earlier, but I think I want to see a refresh on the Eidolon that's the magic user. Mm-hmm. I want to see that become more meaningful so that I can see it in more lists. I've talked about the fact that, yes, all my wonderful deep or you know deepkin friends that eels are a mandatory take i want to see something else in that list that is like that something else that you see in every list but Mm -hmm. something different than eels Mm -hmm. i think that would just be interesting maybe not as competitive but interesting or maybe if they make the changes they need to make it would be competitive Mm -hmm. but for me that's what i'd like to see fire slayers i have no opinion okay fire Mm -hmm. slayers nick Nick, uh i would just mirror dan in that i hope that for the deep in they rewrite it in a way that there's more varied lists you know because i always like seeing different things that well, turn good news reavers are broken so uh, <laughs> yep. you got your wish fulfilled okay they're yeah. really dumb right now yep they're like twos and twos at 120 shots or something like that oh jeez it's really it's fantastic it's gross everyone loves it it's great yeah there's no complaining to be had about any of this everyone is very positive on this mm. don't ask anybody else that's, don't ruin okay. it no. don't yeah. ruin it yeah okay i know yeah. so <laughs> we did get that so we have that i think the thing that you're liable to get is uh, an update to the tides rules mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. not a bad thing yeah and you know, the thing I know a lot of folks are asking for is updating Forgotten Nightmares, 
which is the you can't target anything other than the closest unit in shooting. And I would say I don't think they need to do that. I think that's one of the things that makes that army unique and a difficult challenge. Mm-hmm. And as long as you update the tides alongside it to, to bring it all into the modern game, I think that they sh- could and should leave some version of Forgotten Nightmares in the game. Having mm-hmm. defenses against shooting is not a bad thing. With Fire mm-hmm. Slayers, I want them to make Magma Droths not garbage. You don't have to make them great, just make them not garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it's a low bar to clear, and some folks will say, well, if the other Fire Slayers War Scrolls we've seen to this point are indicative. Odds are not good. <laughs> but there's <laughs> there's the rest of the book that adds context, right? It could be that the strength of that book is in the battle tone, the mm-hmm. things that you get from being the battle tone. Part of like what Nurgle would be was if you looked at the War Scrolls of those on the surface without the context of the battle tone, you'd go, this is not very good. Mm-hmm. But when you take it all holistically and everything that goes into it, you go, oh, well, this is actually a quite powerful entity. Yeah. We know your thoughts on Night Haunts. Oh, yeah. Daughters, perhaps? Anything we're hoping for? I know the book came out a year ago. I don't know what. That's why I asked the one word question. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know what else they could do to really. Because they don't feel totally out of line in 3.0. No. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I know the one thing that people complain about a lot is the way that Marathi works and, oh, remove the cap and let her heal. Like, I don't know. I like having heroes and units that do different things and behave differently. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. having a piece like Marathi where you can only do three wounds to her a turn, but she's only 12 wounds and she can't heal, so you have to just do 12. I don't think it's a very high bar to clear, but you just have to know what you're doing. You have to have an approach to that puzzle, how to unlock it. I don't think that we should make things easy and straightforward for the sake of making them easy and straightforward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want a perfectly balanced game, play chess. Yeah. Right. Right? Like, there are going to be inherently unbalanced things. There are going to be matchups that are to your disadvantage. I think part of the fun is how do you overcome those challenges? Yeah. So, and really thinking through, you know, how you're going to handle the situations at tournaments and different armies and stuff like that, yeah. And then obviously, whenever those other book previews are what they are, then you know, we'll talk about our hopes and wishes and dreams for what they are. And I hope it's not Skaven, because I hope Skaven, on brand here, get thrown into the ocean and we never see that army ever again. And by the way, if it is a Skaven book, everybody who listens to this show regularly and new listeners understand that there will not be a discussion of the Skaven book on this show. Well, if you do, I won't be part of yeah, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can get Nick. And <laughs> the commentary might not be as good then. <laughs> now, timing I find the the summer release piece interesting because we've always got General's Handbook in there. It'll be interesting to see what the timing is for those two books. Because when you talk about summer for GW, you're talking about after the 1st of May, essentially. It depends on how they define any of these time frames. Or, you know, are they going to do the dual releases, you know, like you talked about, where they come out essentially right next to each other, then that timeline of a summer can be much more restrictive. If you're going to release two books in one week or something like that, mm-hmm. that'd be fine. You know, that gives you a lot of room before GHB comes out. All right. Then that's our all kinds of different stuff discussion today. Yeah. That's the miscellaneous segment. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and we are going to move on to Scriptorium. Etc. 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 Right. First of all, new releases. There is one new release. It is called Gothgul Hollow, and it is a Age of Sigmar horror book, and it seems very interesting. In fact, I just picked it up. I'm going to talk about all the audiobooks I just got. It looks like there's a kind of family of kind of nobles living in Shaiish and how they deal with some things that are going on. But it looks interesting because when you think of Shaiish, you don't think of, first of all, live people. 
at all. Mm-hmm. Typically, no. This is you, typically when you hear about people who live there, they're mostly like peasants. They're mostly just salt of the earth kind of people. This is kind of a nobility group that's fighting something. I don't know what it is, but it looked like it would have some... Uh, yeah, our first mess. introduction to that kind of thing was in the Ulfencarn with the Cursed City kind right. of stuff, where that was your first lore narrative-based item in modern Sigmar mythology and yes. lore of what that looked like, because obviously you know, we'll dig into Catacross's lore where they were, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a whole thing. But the, <laughs> so it looks, it looks The one section of lore I've actually read yeah. is the Bone Reapers. <laughs> but that's it for new releases right now. Nick, anything? Reads, listens, watches, anything like that? At Brew City Brawl in the raffle, I won the book. It's not Age of Sigmar, but uh, The Infinite and the Divine, mm-hmm. where there's uh, these two Necron characters and oh, yeah, it yeah. sort of, it's a pretty thick book and it goes through their sort of struggle through time against each other and you know these twists and turns that their relationship goes through and I really enjoyed that book I thought it was pretty good that was my first 40k book I'd ever read and the Necrons are I don't know just they're interesting yeah so yeah other than that gonna pick up and read through the lore in the Maggotkin book and then yeah nothing else on the horizon right now but all right coolio good stuff So I started and finished Blood in the Garden, which is a series of collected storytelling of the 1990s New York Knicks, mm-hmm. the ones that coexisted along the a Mike, sports story, the, unbelievable. The Michael for you. Jordan Bulls. <laughs> I'm sure for folks of a slightly older age than me, mm-hmm. uh, where those teams were remembered, remi- uh, remembered particularly fondly, this is probably an excellent book to. Okay, and uh, it's called again what? Blood. Uh, Blood in the Garden. Blood in the Garden. Okay, okay. and. It's one of those ones where it's an interesting piece of time, and I wanted to listen to it, and I knew that that was an interesting team, so hearing some of the stories behind all the players that I really didn't know very well, because I was just a little too young to Mm -hmm. actually know them, but they're mythologized as the team that was just held back. Mm-hmm. Because of Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. right? You know, a team that was just never quite good enough. So that was kind of cool. It was a. Uh, I was like twelve hours, and I just threw it. So cool. I got to finish that first Game of Thrones book, and then I'm just gonna start listening to. I downloaded. I think it's like a, the Crown of Kings or Sword of Kings. The it's yeah. the Yellow Book. Uh-huh. And <laughs> Yellow Book. And it's like forty hours, so I'm yeah. good. Like, oh yeah. I, oh yeah. I so, read. Yeah, I read up to, I think, the fourth book of Game of Thrones. The books are really good. He's very descriptive, and I feel like brings you into the scene. That's a good series. Yeah, oh, good, because I'm a miserable listener. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, what do you got? I finished Swords of Calth. I finished reading the book, and... Weirdly enough, I had forgotten almost everything that happened after listening to it months ago. I flew through this book, and it was so excellent. Such great characters. It had Necrons. They were the main bad guys in this. Uh On a scale that I couldn't believe. Like It was just like planet-threatening scale. And there's this squad of Marines that are trying to beat it. It, I'm not going to do any ruining, but I have to say one thing. It was cool because you're going, there's no way that a squad of five Ultramarines can deal with this. Mm -hmm. Well, it ends up that there was something on the planet that could deal with this thing. And it was just so cool how they ended up meshing everything and meeting up. And then there again was another character who, just a beloved character in the Ultramarines who was in the story and came into it and really good read and fast read. And then I'm starting a book called Castaway Resolution. Anybody who knows Eric Flint, he does a lot of alternate history and one of his famous series is the 1642. There's a lot of 
humor in it, kind of lighter interactions with different people and stuff. And he wrote a series about these people who were marooned on this planet. I'm trying it. I haven't read any Eric Flint stuff for a while, so so far so good. First 40 or 50 pages. Cool. I went nuts with audiobooks. I went crazy. Okay. I got four at once, and that's just insane. That's like 40 hours of listening. For me, you're talking <laughs> about one Game of hours. Thrones book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first one, I talked about Gothgol Hollow already as a new release. The first Urdesh book, which is the Iron Snakes Thing, which I can't wait to listen. Then the Emperor's Finest. I talked. I did get that because it came out. Was the Kane latest Kane book? The one I'm listening to now is called Day of Ascension, and it's about a Mechanicus planet with a Gene Stealer cult uprising. The way this book is written, you absolutely empathize with the Gene Stealer cults, the the humans mm. who become part of the Gene Stealer cult, because this Mechanicus cult that's running this planet, these human beings are just being thrown. It's like they're thrown into a rubbish pile. Mm-hmm. They're mining and they're doing all these stuff. I mean, but who hasn't? Yeah, yeah but that's... They're, just, they're exposed to all these hostile chemicals, you know, and, and substances and they're getting mutated and they're dying of cancers and they're just miserable. And the Mechanicus guys who are running this are absolutely oblivious to all this suffering. And then when they become gene stealer hybrids, like all the disease goes away. And they're actually healthy, you know, and there's this one gene stealer cult doctor that is infusing people who are sick with the gene stealer, you know, genes, strain. strain, and they're getting healthy again. And you're going, well, okay, fine. You know, there's these humans just suffering horribly. It's like, I want the gene stealers to win now. It's really weird. You know, I hope they take over the planet because at least these humans, at least until the Tyranids get there and consume them all, Mm -hmm. at least they'll be healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. Because it, the way he writes them, they're not really gene stealers. They're not really tyrannies. Right, they're the hybrids. They're, they're humans. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, really cool the way it was written. I'm enjoying it a lot. It sounds pretty good. It, it was. It's interesting. I wasn't expecting it at first. And then The Expanse, season six, I'm almost done with that. And then there's a new series out, uh, the Jack Reacher series. There was a guy named Lee Child who wrote, I think, what, 20 books? Cindy, a huge number of books about Jack Reacher, who was a former kind of military and intelligence military police guy and he becomes kind of a private investigator kind of dude but his character i mean there have been a couple mm-hmm. movies i think tom cruise did a couple of jack reacher movies yeah and his character is just so unique and so interesting we have to get started because we want to watch it and it looks like it's going to be really cool so we're going to start that my workout movies i watched punisher the the first one i watched mm-hmm. blade trinity and of course brendan i bought dune <laughs> I oh, it. oh good. nice <laughs> so at some point it's going to be like the fifth time i've watched this bloody movie good. so nick i don't know if you've listened to all of the shows but we're gonna need to stage an intervention for dan about his dune watching habits i've heard and and now that he has purchased dune and can watch it ad nauseum cindy you have my phone number let me know if uh if we need to talk to somebody i'm sure i'm sure it can be arranged uh something else i think more than like once a week is is probably is too much (laughs) it's a long movie too so yeah That'll get me through what, three or four workouts at least. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Okay, that's it for Scriptorium. So, gentlemen, we're going to move on to our questions in this or that. Yeah. 
So listeners, the way we're going to do this with a guest, we're going to do three questions a piece, kind of round robin style. We'll start with our guest. Anybody can ask anybody a question and then we'll go to the next person. So Nick, why don't you throw a question out to either one of us? Sure. So Dan, this question's for you. Oh. I have had no taste for almost two months since having COVID. What would be... If my taste came back and it was you, you know, if you had lost your taste, what would be the first food that you would eat coming back to having taste? Oh, that is a good question. That's a great question. Because as you were describing it to me, like, it is just nothing. It's literally nothing. I'll drink coffee. It's, it's just like tastes like warm water. Yeah. Except, even, yeah, even that, like, that has a feeling. I don't know. Probably because I can't have much of it. Probably Coca-Cola. Because yeah. I like Coke a lot. And so that would be the worst thing I want to taste was a can of Coke. Yeah, that'd be great. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah, that'd be it for me. Brendan? Dan, my question is also for you. So I already know the answer. For, targeting. I know the answer from Nick because him and I have, have already talked about this already. Who wins the Super Bowl since we're really good at, at doing predictions? Okay, yeah. Everything we provide in terms of predictions is all for entertainment value only. Yeah. But if you disclaimer out there, yeah. whatever <laughs> we pick, if you're betting money, you should pick the opposite of our choice. We're just saying that. I'm excited for Matthew Stafford, <laughs> and I'm I would love to see him win. Okay, whatever team he's on. Yeah, so you're picking the Rams. I'm picking the Rams because of him, just because he spent his time in hell at Detroit, Detroit, and now he's being able to rise up and become the quarterback he's always needed to be and wanted to be. He just needed a team and a coach that... Did what he can do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy for him. So yeah, that's it. Rams. Dan? Okay. So my first question is for Nick. Your next army. We know that the two grand alliances that are having books released in the summer are chaos or order. So for your next army, what are you going to pick? A chaos army or an order army? I think I would like my army to mirror most of my life, so I'm going to go with chaos. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if that works for you, man. If that works for you. There's it's a great. reason that in college I knew him as Crazy Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so chaos it is. fun times. All right, man. Cool. Whatever the chaos is. So why don't you go back here again? You're up my again. turn? Yeah, you're up again. Okay, uh, Brendan. All right. We are moving very quickly into the future with items like rocket launches and space tourism now being on the horizon for okay. things. So if we ever set up a option where you could visit the moon mm. for a tourism thing... Assuming it was affordable enough, yeah, right? You're not paying a million dollars to go see the moon. I don't moon. know. I might pay a million dollars to go to the moon. Okay. So, yeah. Would you want to go visit the moon? Yeah. I guess it's essential. Yeah, I would, li- I would like to go visit the moon. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, Nick, my question's for you. Obviously, we talked about you being a pretty prolific painter. Mm-hmm. What's the model that you haven't painted yet that you really want to but haven't for whatever reason? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have to be Archeon. Yeah? Yeah. The one you painted really kind of... I saw it in person. I was like, wow, that's really good. And you thought I can do better. N- not bad, but I thought <laughs> I thought I could bring the bright colors and, you know, really make it like, wow, this is a different sort of thing. And it's just, you know, the model's so massive that I really like. There's a lot of, that you can showcase on Yeah, it. and you can pull the details out in the small spots and really make the whole model mm. flow. So I'd say that one's one that's on the horizon. Okay. Yeah. okay. Dan? Brendan? All right. There are... Two teams that are doing okay this year, Marquette and Villanova. Hmm. And Marquette, surprisingly, is doing well, which is great. 
we talked, I think, a little bit about it before. That's really nice. Who goes further in the NCAA tournament? Oh, Assuming they're both. It's Villanova. Play. So Marquette is is great and exciting, and that's really cool. Yeah. But this is the first season under Shaka Smart, so he hasn't built the team that fits what he's trying to do as a coach. Villanova has had continued and sustained success. I will take the team that's been there before. I will take the team that has uh, the kind of stability and coaching and player tenure. Marquette will be in that conversation at some point, but Mm. for the time being, it's going to be one of those things where they're going to do well, they're going to get far, but there are limitations to where they can go. Okay, fair enough. All right, Nick, we're up on you next. Okay, so my final questions for Dan. Dan, you have a long-lost relative who is bequeathing $1,000 to you, Mm. but they say that you have to invest it in something. You can't just, you know, spend it on whatever you want. So would you invest in gold, stocks, or something else? Right now, in this day, I would invest it in gold. Okay. Because gold... He loves gold. (laughs) Inflation. You know, that's just right now. Yeah. Gold's a safe investment when inflation increase when interest rates go up again mm-hmm. we are so not a investing podcast this is all just how dan feels yeah exactly. this is not financial advice this is just for entertainment purposes only <laughs> dan runs the podcast i'm just here <laughs> brendan how about your next questions for you nick okay I would say I'm probably the person who's played against Night Haunt most in the world. Okay. Second place is probably you. Okay. What are you most hoping for for Night Haunt? And I intentionally made sure to not ask this during the other segment so that I could ask this question here. Mm-hmm. I'll let the car drive past that exit sign. <laughs> I think I would like to see, I'm always a, a fan of large monsters that hit really hard. So some, something big and scary to get in there that would have a unique interaction in, in the army compared to what we've seen from other books. I think something like that, a big monster, yeah. would be what I would want to see. Really nice. Yeah. Okay. Drugs the only thing we have now. Yeah. So my last question for you. Oh, I'm Nick popular is, today. Yeah, yeah, we can the guest. <laughs> yeah, it's true. the way it works. Two models, Kragnos and the Glotkin. Mm-hmm. I know you're fond of both. I've seen the Glotkin way too many times on the table against you. In fact, the first time I saw him, it, it was frightening. What happened? <laughs> well, and now he's better. Yeah, now he's even better. Who are you taking? Are you taking the Glotkin or are you taking Kragnos? And they're about the same points now. Yep. Yeah. And he only saw the War Scroll yesterday for the Glotkin. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be honest, but after seeing it, Nurgle was my first army. It was what I got into the game yeah. with. And the Glotkin, the sculpt of that model and just like the lore behind it, I really enjoyed building and painting that one. And right now it's kind of just been sitting on my shelf for a while. So yeah, I think I would pick the Glotkin looking at, you know, maybe repurposing an army, you know, some of my stuff to play with that. Perfect. Yeah. Great. That's, so that's it. it. That's okay. easy. Man, that was easy. All right. I guess it's that time then. It's time for Show Close. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. Brendan, Sunday announcements at all? Anything? An update to Warcry. There's a new Tome of Champions. Okay. Beasts of Chaos are getting a Tome Celestial and the next White Dwarf. And then a bunch of other stuff that we don't care about. Okay, fair enough. Some of you might care about it, but I don't. So, (laughs) Not the stuff we were hoping for, right? No, no, no. Not the Battletoad stuff, no. Please help us write our shows. (laughs) Speaking of which, we've got episode 91 coming up, and, you know, it's to be determined. TBD. Probably not a Battletoad review, (laughs) so another one that we're going to have to figure out. Yeah, and we... 
I think we do a pretty good job of figuring out what we're going to talk about. It's always something of interest mm-hmm. to you guys, and we'll figure that out when the time comes. Mm-hmm. So, otherwise, Nick, thanks for joining us, man. It's yeah. great to have you on board. Yeah, and thanks so much for having me on. This was an absolute blast. Cool. A lot of fun. Cool, yo. And Brennan, as always... Thank you, co-host. You're welcome. Man, for coming along for the ride. And as always, listeners, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of our craziness. And take care, stay safe, and we will see you next time around. Bye. This is the